Um, okay, okay, time time out. I'm gonna just time out for a second. Um, I can hear my own voice coming through your end. <laughs> oh, we need to start this thing over. Do we need to start it totally over? I mean, I don't know. I feel like you probably could have heard it the whole time, right? Um, yeah, fuck it. Let's just keep going. Welcome to the Good Games Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Leo. Beep, 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 beep. Oh boy. Oh boy. What have you been up to, Leo? Uh, what have I been up to? Well, I have been doing a lot of drumming lately. Ooh. I've, you know, as you know, I've played drums for many years. I do. Know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently I actually had uh, my manager ask me to cover for their drummer and their worship band at church. Uh-huh. And that got me back behind the kit, which I haven't been in, uh, behind in like several years. So after that, I was like, you know, it'd be nice to to do some more drum stuff. So I'm actually trying to get my uh, drumming um, YouTube channel that I've like wanted to do for years Ooh. off the ground. Uh-huh. Um, and one thing, the first track that I want to do, it's called The Drummer Geek. So look out for it. Yeah, well, go ahead and plug your channel. What's your channel name? It's, it's called The Drummer Geek. Oh, okay. uh, There's nothing out there yet. Uh, the first track I'm working on, so it's pretty much what I've been doing the last uh, week or so, mm-hmm. is learning Final Fantasy VIII's boss theme, Force Your yes, Way. Yes, yeah. That's going to be the first one I upload uh, yeah. the drum cover to. That song is, like, um, secretly really difficult on yeah. drums, actually. Yeah. Like I, when I'm now that I'm really listening to it, there's a lot of like sixteenth um, note, like fancy stuff on a hi hat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty fun though. It's really fun. That sounds fun. I uh, just got back from playing trivia at my local bar. Uh, oh, I still is, do that, huh? Yeah. Well, it's uh, we've started doing it at our, at our new place. So uh, oh. we've we've found a a bar within walking distance in our complex, which is very nice. Uh, we've been playing trivia with myself, my wife, and a couple of our friends. We got fourth place tonight, and I am very proud of uh, ourselves. Congrats! There's yeah. a little mini golf clap for you. Oh. Radio golf clap. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I am assuming the list of things you have been up to also includes Into the Breach. Yes, it does. I yeah, I've have been playing some Into the Breach here and there uh-huh. uh, in preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. So you have not played Into the Breach prior to this, right? That is correct. Okay, so now did you play Subset Games' previous game, uh, Faster Than Light FTL? I I dabbled. I did play it. Oh, okay. Say. Dabbled. I wasn't like a, a huge fan, you know, but I played the game. Okay, because that's me. I am a huge fan of FTL. I thought that game was amazing when it came out. I pumped tons and tons and tons of hours into that game, played that game tens and tens of times, and was super, super excited when Into the Breach came out. But this is more of like a casual, like, you're like, okay, whatever, we'll play some Into the Breach. Right. Uh, yeah, I kept it casual. Uh, well, why don't you tell the listeners what Into the Breach is? That is a very good point. I'm going to back up first and say that uh, Subset Games is a team of two people, um, Matthew Davis and Justin Ma, I think are their names. Their first game was 2012's Faster Than Light, which most people just call FTL. It was a roguelike strategy game where you command a starship and you position the members of your crew on the starship at different stations. So like you would have one that mans the guns, one that mans the shields, one that mans 
commands the engines and you would take your ship and you could upgrade it, uh, give it different weapons, you know, change the loadout of your ship. There were several different layouts of ships and then you would take that into space and you would have a randomized galaxy with randomized encounters with different aliens, some friendly, some hostile. And it was basically all about navigating this randomized galaxy and playthroughs were about uh, a half hour to two hours long, depending on whether or not you died. Uh, and then you would just start over on your next playthrough. And that was FTL. And I love that game. Uh, so I was super excited when they announced they were working on. Well, actually, this kind of snuck up on me. I, I knew that they were working on a game. But I was not even aware of what it was or what kind of... I, the first I had heard of Into the Breach was like a month before it launched. Uh, and I instantly just got super excited. Uh, Into the Breach is... Visually, it looks like FTL just from the artwork. But it is more of a grid-based tactical strategy game that is turn-based uh you command a team of three mechs and you are up against uh a bunch of randomly spawning kaiju um uh, but if you you know um if you think of all of these like big uh monster movies there's all these mechs and you know big kaiju I, I'm, I'm i'm talking like pacific rim movies like that right in in those movies you have all these big fights and uh what's happening in the background is like a huge uh, cities are being destroyed buildings are falling down you know skyscrapers are tumbling in the background of this fight between mechs and kaijus into the breach asks the question uh what if the primary objective of this team of mechs that is uh fighting this hostile force of kaijus what if the primary objective was not to defeat the kaijus necessarily but to protect the buildings so into the breach puts you on a grid where your primary goal for the entire campaign is to protect as many buildings as you can and save as many civilians as you can. It still has a lot of mechanics that are sort of similar to FTL. So you have pilots, uh, you have like little characters which uh, have different abilities and all of and you can uh, put them in various mechs which all have different play styles and you can also like up, upgrade your mechs throughout the campaign. The campaign length is I don't know, maybe an hour or two. So it's it's a it's a shorter roguelike game similar to FTL. So those things are in common, but the gameplay is 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 very different. Uh, what were your initial impressions? Uh, l- let me let me ask you, what was your thoughts on Faster Than Light, and then uh, what were your thoughts on Into the Breach? I thought Faster Than Light was innovative. I thought it was difficult, but. Uh, that was almost like it was designed to be. Oh yeah, difficult. that game's very difficult. Sorry, um, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, kind of reminiscent of several other indie games that kind of pride themselves in being a difficult game on purpose. Uh huh. Uh huh. And the strategy uh, was, but it was it was unique. You know, it was a different spin, I guess, on other 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 strategy games of the sort. Like, I, I don't feel like there's much that is like FTL. You know. Okay, it felt, yeah. you know, unique, and it felt uh, like you were kind of like in the cockpit of the Star Trek episode or something. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really, really cool. So, Into the Breach, uh, man, I'm on the edge with this game, I gotta say. Okay. But in going through our lists now, I realize every game in my list has a very prominent story-driven experience. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I felt was, like, lacking in, in Into the Breach, like... 
What you tell me? What the hell is going on? In this uh, story? Yeah, like the the story layer is extremely light. Uh, there, it's I mean, it's basically just mechs versus kaiju's, and you're just trying to save uh, civilization. There's also a time travel thing, which I think is the yeah. the the thematic conceit of it being a roguelike game, and you just infinitely battling mechs versus kaiju's forever and ever and ever, and doing that across multiple campaigns. The thematic conceit is oh, it's it's multiple timelines, so you're just traveling to a different time timeline to do this all over again every single campaign but it's kind of it's kind of confusing because like there's like hints at there being like an overarching story because like all the people are like oh hey they're here they're here to save us mm-hmm. like they know who they are mm-hmm. and stuff I'll, I'll agree with you there 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 is the story and in into the breach is almost non-existent and um I, I i like the theme of mechs versus kaijus but i think the theme is um kind of applied uh, lightly, maybe too lightly. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen... So, for, exen- for example, in FTL, the theme is space travel. And there's... I mean, there's not like a story, but there's a lot of world building that is done. Uh, like when you encounter a different race, uh, there's a little text box that you know tells you what you encounter, what you see, what happens. And then it'll give you some like role-playing choices. Like, do you want option number one, invade them? Option number two, try to negotiate peacefully or whatever. Uh, there, there is none of that world building or, or role playing in Into the Breach. It's just a straight up, just a strategy puzzle game. Like that, that's all there is. I, I think that's kind of what I missed. And I think even in FTO, like you said, just those little scenarios where you you know it makes you feel like like i said it earlier that you felt like you're in a star trek episode yeah. you don't really feel that with into the breach at all like i don't know how you do it with that theme that being the theme mm-hmm. the the kaiju you know mech thing but to me that was a major part maybe it's because i can't play a strategy game unless i feel like i have a good you know reason like internally for wanting to save these people <laughs> or something yeah i felt like ftl did a much better job with that world yeah. building um so that that's that fair that's that's game. totally fair yeah i'm a fan of some of the elements that they've incorporated into this the strategy aspects of the game and and, and the game design principles mm-hmm. you know things like that they do a little different right like uh pushing units and enemies forecasting their movements completely ahead of time yeah uh, mm-hmm. whereas other strategy games they don't exactly work that way I, but, I think i think that is one of the most unique things about into the yeah. breach is 100 percent of the enemy's movements and attacks are totally telegraphed to you like you know what is going to happen on the next turn and your job is to stop it it cuts to the like what are my favorite parts in a lot of strategy games, a a lot of turn-based strategy games where you get yourself in a situation where you're like, Oh my God, I am totally screwed. How am I going to get out of this situation? Every single turn of into the breach is that scenario. Right. And I mean, that aspect of the difficulty of the game to me is really cool. Like if you go do all this fancy stuff and, and, and try to like save this one part of the, of the city, kind of like oh i'm gonna kill this one unit in this one hit it's gonna be great i'm gonna knock like three dudes into the water and they're gonna die instantly Mm -hmm. but then you forget that oh there's another guy over here who's attacking this square and that's gonna kill me (laughs) you know it's your own fault yeah so so that part i think is very you can't blame anyone but yourself and i like that in games don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong Mm -hmm. there to me though i don't like when it it's frustrating when you already like know like there's 
I'm not dying because of my lack of strategy or awareness. I'm dying because, you know, I accidentally clicked something and the game doesn't have like a save state that I can revert to. Oh, okay. Uh, so two two things. At any time, you can undo a movement that you have made with your mechs. So this this works a, lo- a lot like a lot of other um, like tactical uh, turn-based strategy games. You, you each, each turn you have, you can make a movement and then take an action. So you can undo all of your movements, but as soon as you take an action with your mech, then you're committed to doing that action. However, for each battle in Into the Breach, you always get one undo turn button. So if you start committing a lot of actions and you realize like, oh god, this isn't going to turn out the way I thought it would, uh, you can always click that reset turn button and take your turn over again. Well, I, I know about those, but see, that brings up the other scenario where that happened is I was going through that process that you do in the very beginning of every map where you move around a lot but don't attack yeah so i was like moving this unit undoing moving this unit undoing and then i see the undo button is dangerously close to the end turn button or something like that it is or, but also if you click on end turn and you haven't taken all your actions the game will confirm like hey are you sure you would like to end your turn looks like there's still stuff left to do at least three times i've like died in this game just because of like oops <laughs> like oops like it's mechanical and the game doesn't have like saving like in traditional like strategy games to me like i would save at the beginning of the match so yep. i can start the whole thing over nope nope there is no saving that bothers me i don't know i i don't like that okay that's fair yeah uh, the- aside aside from the from the and I, I mean, I feel like maybe that's a core feature of the game, the fact that it's kind of like this roguelike game, so you're supposed to do it multiple times. Uh-huh. To me, I want to say, aside from the fact that you can't restart a level and like save your state at the beginning of that map, the, that battle, um, everything else about the game I like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So, so okay. it's kind of like a core feature of the game, though. So uh, I don't know. It, it's I'm torn about it. Like I think the game is really interesting and and um, and everything, but I don't know. Maybe it's just an, the old man in me is like, why can't I just restart my level if I goof up? Like, yeah, but I I, I don't I don't really like that 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 school of game design though because I think the the game is protecting you against. What is protecting you against by not letting you save scum all the time is like in some strategy games, like you you move a unit here, you realize, oh god, I'm 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 screwed. Let me reload this save. Uh, let me move a unit here. Let me reload this save. Like that didn't work. Let me put another one. Let me aha, I figured out the solution. But like like you're just doing that through like trial and error. There is like there's no strategy there. Like you haven't solved. I mean I mean you did solve the puzzle, but there's something just fundamentally wrong. Like I I feel you're like cheating the system if you're if you're just saying scumming all the time like I, I i love that each each choice you make i mean with the exception of that undo move and and reset turn button each each choice you make is it is a commitment that you're committed to and, and and your choices have like real consequences there is no save scumming you can't cheat the system i guess i i could understand where that's coming from but i would love some sort of middle ground where you can't save during a match maybe but if you really really screwed stuff up you can go back to the very beginning of the map and the start game, over i mean <laughs> the game telegraphs exactly what's going to happen to you that was another uh unique thing about into the breaches game design is there is almost no randomness in this game at all aside Proof. aside from there's a random chance when uh, an enemy attacks one of your buildings there's a random chance that your building does not 
get destroyed and it resists the damage. And also the enemy uh, spawn points and and movements are, are, are appear to be pretty random it, it makes it feel almost like a almost like a puzzle game or like like chess puzzles that you that you read in the in the newspaper you know like all all of the like all of the cards are on the table and you just have to solve the 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 puzzle and that's the other thing well sort of interesting thing too is not every turn in into the breach has a true like correct solution uh sometimes there are multiple different solutions and sometimes there are no solutions at all and the game just becomes about mitigating damage which which of these buildings can i afford to lose the most uh, or the least i guess right uh or or like can i can i afford to take another two hits of damage to my tank can i afford to fail an objective and then it becomes about mitigating damage which which is where the the strategy of the game comes in on paper it doesn't seem like that would be very fun having a game that didn't have randomness to it that, that laid everything out mm-hmm. but you're right there are many many turns that it just feels like a puzzle like i have different pieces of the puzzle and i know if i do this right there should be some optimal way of um of doing this and most of the time you get away without damaging your cities and maybe even killing every unit or something it makes me feel though that there's some situations where they're like impossible there are sometimes yeah there, where, yeah there's turns where you don't know if there actually is a solution or if you're right. just screwed yeah yeah and that uh that was okay but i mean i think for the most part i've found a lot of scenarios where it's like oh if i just really look at this there's there's a solution in there and like it's it could be hidden between like several different moves in the right order mm-hmm. even like looking at the, the order of the attacks of the enemy or something like that mm-hmm. so there's there's very few instances but there are some times where like you just kind of wind up in this impossible impossible scenario that just kind of adds to my frustration sometimes okay i don't know the game just gives me heart palpitations man it's, really <laughs> what it comes down to. it's just it's just a difficult game man it is it is so is faster than light yeah both those are they're difficult they're hard games all right um let's let's hop into our top five countdown uh for the episode uh we're gonna be counting down our top five strategy games our top five favorite strategy games all right i'm gonna go first um now i have to tell you i had a little bit of an existential crisis over this strategy game top five list because i don't play a whole lot of strategy games uh, and to be more accurate um the, the strategy games that i am drawn to are more of the uh, turn-based strategy games or strategy games that combine a lot of elements from other genres like uh, uh roguelikes or role-playing games uh those those are the types of strategy games i'm drawn to so also i realized when we said when we said we were counting down our top five uh, favorite strategy games. We did not say we're counting down our top five favorite turn-based strategy games nope. uh, or, or strategy games that combine elements from these other. So what I ended up doing is kind of kind of spreading the ball around a little bit. I'm going to take different corners of, because I mean, when you say strategy game, you're casting a pretty wide net. Yeah, it's kind of a broad. Yeah, genre, right? yeah. So I'm gonna yeah. uh, give a little love to all of the uh, all of my favorite subgenres of uh, strategy games, and that first subgenre is uh, tower defense. Uh, my number five favorite strategy game is 
2009's Plants vs. Zombies. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, this is this is my favorite tower defense game. I uh, I, I play a little bit. I went back. I had not played this since uh, it came out in in the early well in 2009, uh, and I played it on mobile initially. And I I, I went back to uh, replay a little bit of it for uh, this episode. Let me tell you how how I was impressed with the artwork in that game and how the artwork informs the mechanics of Plants vs. Zombies. So, first of all, I think it's really smart to have the enemies in that game be zombies because um, when they start walking across the screen, they're, like, walking and, like, shambling really slowly like zombies, which makes sense. Like, the the theme fits the mechanics. Then, uh, like, none of the way... Well, there are, like little tool tips on the way your plants work, but specifically none of the way the zombies work are ever mechanically explained in words anywhere. It's all artwork and theming that fit the mechanics. So as an example, there are like zombies that are wearing like track clothes uh, and these zombies run a little faster than the other average zombies. There are some zombies with like buckets on their head uh, these zombies have a little more defense than the other zombies, but like none of these things are explicitly stated to you. It's just all the way the artwork just informs the mechanics. And when you look at the enemy like art design, you instantly know how the enemy functions. I thought that was one of the smartest things about Plants vs. Zombies, other than the really rock solid uh, tower defense mechanics. So yeah, my number five, Plants vs. Zombies. Nice, nice. Plus, it's also kind of just an interesting principle, right? Like, what what plants fighting zombies? Yeah, like, right. What? Yeah. It is kind of cool. Like, I think it's a unique spin on the mm-hmm. like the you know typical like zombie games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I too did something that kind of jumped around between various subgenres of the strategy, mm-hmm. you know, bigger genre. My number five is kind of a mix of turn based and real-time strategy it is medieval total war and the total war series of games i have not played these um they're interesting they're mostly for nerds who love swords and stuff which is me (laughs) no the i think the games originally began with um shogun total war and then medieval there's also been like a rome total war and Mm -hmm. some other i don't remember they basically the developers visit various parts of uh, history and uh, geographically interesting places with different cultural backgrounds so you'll have different types of units you know if it's medieval total war you're gonna have like knights and plated armor and the shogun series has like samurai and ninja but the game is interesting because it you start out in almost like a civilization game series where it's like this high level view of the the globe like the map and you can deal with diplomacy between you know kings and and um bishops and there's like intrigue you can send an ambassador to another neighboring country or also send like an assassin to kill the other king or something so there's all this high high level kind of intrigue and diplomacy and, and trade but then if you get into a battle so like your units are represented by this larger single like knight walking around right but then if you get into a battle that knight actually represents an army of maybe 500 knights and so then it changes completely to a 3d map where you control units in groups of 50 or so and you can tell your archers and your knights to you know siege the castle from this angle and then you 
you know, your archers beat your footmen, which beat your horses, which beat your archers. You know, it has like this rock, paper, scissors sort of a uh, 3D combat. So uh, it's kind of a cool mix of high level strategy in the map world with low level kind of real time strategy in the uh, in the actual battles. So pretty cool. Nice. OK. Yeah. My number four favorite strategy game. I went with what I think a lot of people associate with when when you say strategy game, which is uh, real-time strategy games. Mm-hmm. And I thought about going with the ultra-popular and very competitive StarCraft, uh, but I have not played a whole lot of StarCraft. I thought about going with Blizzard's WarCraft, but I think WarCraft is probably more well-known now by its various spin-offs than the actual strategy game. So for my real stra- real-time real strategy game, uh, my number four is going to be the one that really kick-started the RTS genre, and that is Westwood Studios' 1995 game, Command and Conquer. Boom! I was waiting for yeah. it. Yeah! Love that one. Yeah. yeah. This, I, it, it kick-started the entire... Uh, genre. I, I think a lot of the ideas and mechanics are very foundational to the games that we still play today in the RTS genre, like StarCraft. You know, almost any RTS game owes any of its lineage uh, all the way back to Command and Conquer. I also love the ultra cheesy live action cutscenes. Uh, that that is another great part of that game's legacy. Yeah, we talked about live action cheesy cutscenes last we week. We did. The very important part of games in the like late nineties, early two thousands. My number four, I actually have not played any other game in this series, so it's explicitly this one game. It is called Ogre Battle 64. Oh, nice. Love that game. I've played a couple other games in this series. All I know is one day I was in like a blockbuster. Remember those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had a Nintendo 64, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after playing a crap ton of Goldeneye, I decided to check something new out. And being the nerd that I am who loves swords, Ogre Battle 64 had like, you know, this main character, Magnus, who just has like a sword like on his shoulder on like these like pauldrons and he's just like such a badass looking dude come to know that the uh game is full of a fantastic story interesting strategy which one of the interesting things about ogre battle was how deadly things could be if you like if a character died or something that was like an interesting take on on game gaming for me i didn't really also i remember the cartridge being like really heavy because this game was long it was Mm -hmm. a, a long game with awesome story in the medieval sort of realm I feel like with my list, you're going to just realize that I'm really big into medieval stuff. (laughs) That game had permadeath too, right? Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it was just interesting that if you, I had characters that I was really passionate about because I put all this cool equipment on them and I spent the time to level them up and then they would die and I I would like actually almost cry as a little kid. (laughs) Oh, no, man. Like, you know, I don't know if it's because I worked so hard or because I cared about them as a character, Uh but they're just gone. And I was like, mind blown. Like, you know, that was like, it was like my first experience with permadeath. The weird part about that game was that the strategy was more in controlling your units uh, at a high level, like on the map, like you would have a main mission, like take over this stronghold on the other side of the map and you would tell your units to move and they would have like travel time. Like, you know, there was almost like a weather and day and night system or something, but it was very, I mean, it's within the confines of this one battle, but Mm -hmm. So like there's different terrain and, and weather that can affect your units, like their speed and stuff. But once you actually like bumped into another enemy unit, you didn't really 
do anything. <laughs> he just kind of watched, mm-hmm. and they would they would duke it out. They would have like animations between like all the characters would be fighting in a turn based style, but you did nothing. You just kind of like watched them do it. Uh, that was a little weird. I don't know of any other games that do that. <laughs> But uh, aside from that, you know, you just kind of like work on doing that over and over, getting XP, you know, leveling up your units and equipping them with good gear and everything. So, you know, typical RPG tactics sort of stuff. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Good pick. Also, uh, excellent composer who uh, contributed to that game, Hitoshi Sakimoto. That is true. Yeah, this, that soundtrack was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My number three is a combination of rpg and dungeon crawling with a strategy game i'm gonna go with 2016's darkest dungeon this game has a reputation for being obnoxiously hard and it is a well-deserved reputation so aside from being known for its really uh, really punishing difficulty i think one of the smartest things about darkest dungeon is that it really satisfyingly solves one of the problems in RPGs where you have a big party, but you just take your favorite four or five people uh, and just level them up and they get stronger and stronger, stronger. And there's no motivation to use anyone else in the rest of your party because you already have these four or five people that are uh, super high level and very strong and have all the best gear or whatever. In Darkest Dungeon, after going through a dungeon, Your characters get really stressed out. They might come down with weird afflictions. So if you were, if you had a particularly hard time in a dungeon full of skeletons, maybe one of one of your, one of your adventurers develops a quirk where they're deathly afraid of skeletons. And uh, in the future, they'll have, you know, minus 20% accuracy versus skeletons or something like that. So you have in Darkest Dungeon, you have two bars. One is like a normal health bar that you see in RPGs. The other is a stress bar that goes up Uh. over time. So even if you complete a dungeon successfully, uh, chances are a lot of bad things will have happened during your adventure. You have to let them settle back down. Maybe you send them to the bar to drink. Maybe you send them to uh, a cloister to pray. Uh, Maybe you send them to the brothel, however your characters best like to relieve their stress. Uh, And you have to do that for several rounds before they're ready to go out on another adventure. And I think that's a really uh, satisfying way to solve that problem of why wouldn't I always just take my strongest four people out? Uh, Because maybe they have some weird problems with skeletons. Maybe they're still recovering from the last adventure. Uh, Maybe two of your people just hate each other. They don't. Maybe you have a... A uh, very religious character who doesn't like a very secular character, and the two won't go in the same party. So yeah, there, there's a lot of very satisfying um, party management in Darkest Dungeon, and a lot of really good uh, strategy in uh, forming your parties and selecting which which actions you're going to take. It is a turn-based game, also. So yeah, really good game, really hard game, but uh, Darkest Dungeon, my number three. That's interesting because I've that's a problem that I run into a lot in rpg games where mm-hmm. i have my favorite you know party members and i only take them pretty much mm-hmm. my number three uh is I, I think uh okay no no i was gonna say i think from here on out it might just be real-time strategy games but uh that's not the case uh but my number three i spent many 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 uh summers uh in school like you know those those months where you don't have much to do staying up late and playing the competitive aspect of uh the series of games called the starcraft series which you alluded to earlier 
Uh, I'm going to say that number three is really going to be given to StarCraft 2, though, though I want to heavily state that really, to me, it's both StarCraft games are my number. Like, they're so similar and so, you know, practically identical. It's just that StarCraft 2 being newer has uh, a better supported competitive system by by Blizzard. Um, and StarCraft 1, you know, they had that similar problem that, like, the Diablo series had where it's kind of ahead of its time in, in terms of internet play. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of difficult to put it in this, in our like day and age, you know, to, to play that game now. But uh, this series of games, you know, we talked about command and conquer starting it all with the real, real time strategy games. What it evolved to ultimately is the Starcraft. That's kind of like the pinnacle of the real time strategy game. This game now has tournaments with, you know, professional players who get paid, hundreds of thousands of dollars to compete year-round from various countries. But what's interesting about it is that compared to some of the other games that I'm going to talk about and that followed from the Command & Conquer games and and followed that um, recipe, StarCraft is really kind of a dumbed-down version of all of those. The units are simpler, your population count is a lot smaller, your resources are limited to like two. Mm -hmm. But the fun of this game comes from its simplicity and... It's very easy to pick up, but difficult to master. And the the win rate between you and another player comes from how quickly or how efficient you are at doing those simple things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, StarCraft series, very, very good. Okay. My number two... Uh, is a a good contrast to StarCraft. My number two really blew open the uh, turn-based tactical strategy games when it released in 2012. That is XCOM Enemy Unknown. Mm. So one of the reasons I have trouble with RTS games is uh, what you were just talking about, about um, where you're doing simple tasks and trying to get them done as quickly as possible, where you're uh, micromanaging and macromanaging all of your units. Uh, you're trying to get as many actions per minute into the game as possible. Uh, that stresses me out because I really it, like... It is super stressful, I will say that. I really like to take my time and like think yeah. think through every action I'm doing. So playing StarCraft, WarCraft, uh, Age of Empires, Command & Conquer, any of the, they, it stresses me out because I have to think about what I'm doing. And while I'm thinking about what I'm doing, I know I'm not, my actions per minute is too low. And then I start stressing. Anyway, that was one of the things I found very refreshing about uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown. This is a turn-based strategy game. Uh, 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 I had a really good point to make about XCOM, and I don't remember what it is. It's good. It is good. It is very good. It's a good game. Um, It's a good game. it's, It's a good you know what? You know what's good about XCOM? It's a good story generator, by which mm-hmm. I mean uh, you'll be in the middle of a map and, um, you know, the enemies will have you outnumbered and you it looks like you're going to lose. But then you realize like, oh, wait, if I just take my rocket launcher guy, I can blow up this wall here and that'll free up this guy to shoot this guy who was previously pinning down this guy. Then I can move this guy across the map and shoot the other guy and then I'll win the campaign. Like, it, it it creates really good stories, just just good emergent stories out of out of its engine. Um, yeah, XCOM, a very good uh, tactical turn based strategy game. I think it was a good game in terms of gameplay. Mm-hmm. I think what I didn't like about XCOM was really just being nitpicky. I just didn't like like the design decisions, like the art style and okay, the, the theming. Um, do you know, 
Yeah, it was just kind of goofy to me. It was. Like, I mean, it's a little goofy and kind of, you know, whatever, overplayed, yeah. just aliens invade, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Here's the cheesy classic, like, alien tropes or something, you know? Yeah, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, a really satisfying game loop. So you have XCOM is kind of split into two different... You, you have a base management phase where you're upgrading your base to get more resources to build better troops, and then you're taking those troops into combat and going progressing through maps leveling up those troops and then going back to the base to build better weapons and better facilities to level up your troops more to it's a very satisfying uh, game loop that loop actually reminds me of the total war series where you would manage your units and everything you would you would say like upgrade them you would equip them you would do all that and then you would take them to battle and it would like kind of zoom in and you control the units in battle Uh yeah i agree that's that's a cool part of that what's your number two my number two is Final Fantasy Tactics. One of my favorite strategy games of all time. I love that game. Now, again, following the theme here, the setting has a lot to do with it for me. It is like ultra Game of Thrones, man. There is intrigue. There are swords. There is like weird old English talk. Uh Game was um, probably too difficult for me to play (laughs) when I I first played Uh I don't think I ever even have officially completed that game. Oh, man. I've finished that game like five times probably. I love that game. I actually ended up downloading it on my phone this this week, Mm -hmm. um, you know, coming up with my list. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe this time. Uh, But, yeah, uh, the game also had permadeath. So I played this after playing Ogre Battle, and so I was very familiar with that. But it adds uh, an interesting layer. The interesting thing about it is, like you said, that you like playing XCOM because – uh, unlike the real-time strategy games, you know, it allowed you to play more slowly and less stressed and make your decisions and to really think about mm-hmm. them. I felt like there are times playing tactics that even though it's a turn-based strategy game, it, that pressure is still on. Typically, it happens when uh, some unit is out of position mm-hmm. and then I know, I just know they're going to die. <laughs> like next turn, they're super dead. And then when they do die, they get knocked out not insta-killed so then you have like this three-turn clock and you the pressure is on man mm-hmm. like i gotta go phoenix down that guy you know or else i lose that unit forever so it was a cool mix of uh of real time of, of turn-based strategy with this pressure building mechanic oh the job class system was phenomenal very good god i love that mm-hmm. like you could just take anything from this you know little base starting unit to this like to like ninja and you know holy knights and all these crazy items and stuff and each you can kind of make your own army mm-hmm. you know there wasn't any rules like you just do whatever you want that freedom was really really cool music was also great oh uh, yeah same composer hitoshi sakimoto see there's something about this guy man i just love him <laughs> uh but yeah i i especially enjoy experimenting with the job system like oh what happens if you combine a monk and a knight like oh you can get like a super high defense guy who has super strong unarmed punches you know uh, lots of uh, fun experimentation to be had with that job system my number one strategy game are you ready for this you ready for this i'm ready my number one favorite strategy game of all time is 2018's into the breach Oh man! I uh, the number one spot. I love this guy. I really thought about this for a long time. There is no strategy yeah. game that I love more than Into the Breach. I think one oh, of the wow. best things that Into the Breach does 
is its UI design. I think this is a masterclass in how to visually present a game. You can take a screenshot of Into the Breach, share it with anyone else who's played the game, and you can instantly have a discussion about what's happening on, on, on that screenshot. Like, everything is so transparent in that game. You can't do that with any other strategy game. You can't take a StarCraft screenshot or, like, a Civilization screenshot and be like, hey, look at my, like, it's it's going to be, it's not readable. They did such a good job with making everything very readable and transparent uh, in Into the Breach, which is is important for a strategy game. And I also loved the removal of all, almost all randomness and uh, luck. The only randomness in the game is kind of in your favor. So it never feels like you're getting screwed over by randomness. It only feels like you're being helped by random outcomes because the only random, the only randomness is when uh, buildings resist being destroyed. I, I think uh, Into the Breach is superbly designed, and uh, one thing is for damn sure, Subset Games really knows how to make some really strat- satisfying strategy games. Uh, I think Into the Breach and FTL are masterclasses in strategy design. You know, I, I agree with you for the most part. Like, the, it is really, really well designed, and it, it to me, it, it does set a new precedent for, for strategy games going forward. Like they, they genuinely do that. Like that's how good this game is. <clears throat> All right. Number one, this is kind of a throwback to our last podcast episode oh. because it is star Wars. Oh. themed. But interestingly, it's the star Wars version of this game is really just an identical copy to every other game in this series. The game I'm talking about, of course, is Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. Okay, yeah. It, w- it is basically an Age of Empires clone uh-huh. with Star Wars skins. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's kind of the, the way we phrased it before. I mean, literally. I mean, literally, you take every Age of Empires unit and you just reskin it to a Star Wars yep. unit. I mean, you add some, you know, different effects for like blaster fire and lightsabers versus swords and, and you know, mm-hmm. arrows. But it's effectively, <laughs> they're the same game. Um, but I love the whole series, Age of Empires series. I have spent way too many hours playing <laughs> these games. Uh-huh. Unreal. So to be clear, is your number one Galactic Battlegrounds or Age of Empires? So my number one is Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds and the Age of Empires okay. series because it's the same freaking game. All they did was when their prequels were coming out, you know, they wanted kids to play Star Wars games, right? And I was already playing Age of Empires, so they just put out a game with Jedi and clone troopers and Wookiee characters and stuff. Um, and when it came to player versus player environment, just like you mentioned, yeah, it can be pretty stressful trying to keep up and, and realizing like after like working so hard on your base and having all these units that when you go visit the, the enemy, he has like 10 times what mm-hmm. you have. But the interesting thing about Age of Empires was like you said, Command and Conquer kind of started it all. But I believe Age of Empires has m- more resources I'm not even sure that Command Conquer had uh, like tech levels. Uh, I think at some point they did. I, I honestly don't remember if the original one does. Basically, Age of Empires took that real strat- real time strategy formula and kind of expanded on it. So it's kind of opposite of what my number three was, Starcraft, which really simplified things. Age of Empires had like five different resources you had to gather, like wood from trees, stone mm-hmm. from rocks, food from game or, or farming gold from my like all this crap 
Uh, so you had to manage all of that. Your population size was at that time was like huge. Mm-hmm. It was like 200 or 300 units. And then you would start out with, you know, sticks and stones and bows and arrows. And then as you got more and more resources, you would be able to go to your main command building and level up to the next mm-hmm. tech age. And so that's why they call it the age of empires is that before you know it, you would be at the highest level and you would have like super in the later age of empires, you would start being able to shoot like muskets and stuff, you know, and you know, you started out with sticks and stones and you wind up with gunpowder. So that made it interesting for multiplayer because you could, you know, be way behind in tech level, you know, behind, behind another player. And he's rolling in with all these dudes with muskets on horseback and you are sitting there with sticks and stones. And, but so I had some great multiplayer story was based off of different historical uh, medieval Again, medieval. I don't know why mm-hmm. with me. You know, history, historical uh, campaigns. Yeah, I was. I'm pulling this up now. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were both developed by Ensemble Studios, both Age of Empires and Galactic Battlegrounds, which probably explains why a lot of the mechanics are exactly the same. I mean, what I know that people say games are similar. I'm telling you, this game was exactly <laughs> the same. I mean, there's not anything specific about Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds to say over Age of Empires. Yeah, it's the Star Wars. That- theme. If you if you throw a Star Wars on it, I'm gonna yeah, like exactly. it more. There is something to be said about building a Jedi temple and recruiting a bunch of Jedi units, like literally like a hundred mm-hmm. of them, and attacking your friends. I mean, that's that's pretty fun. Um, you want to uh, recommend? Uh, yeah. What, what do you that. what do you got to recommend? So, what I am endorsing today is I have been playing an instrument. And I'm going to recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 Cats, that's good. If you don't play, I don't. So you're talking to me. Yep, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh huh. What am I doing wrong? You life, man. <laughs> okay. You got to play an instrument in life, man. Like, there's, you know what, James? I won't say that you don't play any instrument because you are pretty mean on those rock band drums. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you've pretty. You're, you're like basically a beginner. It's drum. been a while since I busted out rock band, but okay. But what I'm saying is there's an aspect of life when it comes to taking an inanimate object and making this, I wouldn't say beautiful sound always, but making something from just sound uh, is just really spectacular, man. Um, I tell Taryn all the time, we when we were young, we were both in mm-hmm. band. Um, I played trombone and it was on drumline and she played saxophone. It's one of those things when you're a, when you're a student – it gets you in a, with a better crowd. You know, you're, you're not doing anything shady after school. You're, you're like focusing on music and it's, it hits this other part of your soul, man, <laughs> that just like nothing else does. Right. Uh, so if it's never too late to learn, it doesn't matter what the instrument is, but please, for the love of God, if you're a human being and you have never touched an instrument, go learn how to play something. Cause it is awesome. All right. So you're endorsing playing an instrument. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I, uh, my endorsement is I'm going to endorse, uh, what I was going to endorse last week. Uh, and this ties in a little bit with what you were talking about a second ago with the star Wars theme of, uh, star Wars galactic battlegrounds. So we talked a little bit on the last episode about how, uh, in, in what was that? 2012, 2013, uh, Disney took over the star Wars IP, uh, bought that from Lucasfilm. Uh, and then shortly around the same time, EA was granted an exclusive license to make star Wars video games. Yeah. Yeah. That is the correct noise. Um, uh, in, in that time we have only gotten 
what I think two new Star Wars video games, and those are the the pair of Battlefront games, which I don't know, like them or hate them. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of variety, and uh, we, we've only gotten two of them in the last uh, what's it been five the better part of five years. So sure. I'm going to make the argument that Star Wars video games have been a little bit stagnant or, or very stagnant, uh, in, especially in the last five <laughs> years. However, if if, if you're fair, looking for good Star Wars games, the Star Wars tabletop space is absolutely thriving right now. Uh, there is a similar business arrangement in the tabletop arena where a company called Fantasy Flight Games has an exclusive license to make Star Wars themed games. But uh, they have their product line all figured out uh, as opposed to Electronic Arts. Fantasy Flight has a Star Wars game for every type of gamer. We've, we've got, um, there are two very good uh, miniatures games. If you're really into like hardcore tabletop stuff, there are two uh, miniatures games themed around uh, dogfights and fleet battles in Star Wars. Uh, X-Wing and Armada are their miniatures games. They have two different card games. One is um, kind of dead right now. <laughs> the other one is thriving. Um, that is Star Wars the card game. And the thriving one is Star Wars Destiny, which is a Dyson card game. Uh, very good. My Probably my favorite Star Wars board game that Fantasy Flight has put out is called Star Wars Rebellion. It is based on a uh, Star Wars PC game in the 90s in the late 90s of the same name it is a very good two-player strategy board game there is also a star wars tactical campaign game called imperial assault also there's star wars role-playing games uh, there is all sorts of really really rock solid star wars board games and tabletop and card games right now that are that are coming out uh fantasy flight announced just today just hours ago that they are rebooting uh star wars x-wing which is their most popular tabletop game star wars x-wing is kind of everywhere uh and they're rebooting that so that's it's it's a perfect time to get into that if you're interested so yeah um Star Wars video games, kind of stagnant in the last five years. Star Wars tabletop games are the place to go if you are disappointed with uh, Star Wars video games. So yeah, check out Star Wars tabletop games by Fantasy Flight. I've played uh, several of those, and I agree. A lot of those are very good games. Yeah, I like like almost all of them have been just really rock-solid games. Um, uh, So what's our topic for next week? Are we doing our shooter? Our shooter. Um, I'm very, yeah. very excited about. What are we doing next episode. week? Next week we are going to be discussing Player Unknown's Battleground, uh-huh. otherwise colloquially known as PUBG, and our top five favorite shooting games, yeah. shooters, yeah. first person shooters. I guess this yeah. is this is going to be another tough one for me. Uh, similar to strategy games, I don't play a whole lot of shooters, so we'll see how this goes. This is going to be another toughie for me. I feel like there's going to be some surprising things on my list because shooters again is kind of a broad genre there's definitely at least two games that are going to be on my list that you would not expect to be on top five i'm looking forward to that well uh with that i am james for the good games podcast and i'm leo we will see you next time see ya
I also was able to this this week in playing the game. I was able to use it as an, an excuse to tell my wife that I need to meet other women because <laughs> what? I put in my birthday and it says that the most compatible units were uh, what was it? Uh, people with the zodiac cancer of the opposite gender. So if you're a cancer zodiac woman out there. You and me are highly compatible. Oh God! Oh God! That the that's what the game told me, man. <laughs> oh God! 